Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Bridging Chicago podcast. My name is Joseph Amari. I'm an associate attorney at SATC Law, and I am grateful to be hosted today by Donna Van Ekren, president and CEO of Springboard Arts in Chicago. How are you doing today, Donna? I'm doing well, and you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having us. I'm happy, happy here. You have a beautiful gallery. Thank you. So, Donna, we want to ask first, uh, you're from Chicago originally? Yes, I am. Could you tell us a little bit about growing up in Chicago? I grew up on the south side of Chicago, uh, 7209 St. Lawrence. We all had to learn all of our addresses because, you know, that's what you had to do as a kid. Anyway, so... Um, and eight years old, my parents built a home in an area at the, at the edge of Chicago called Colonial Village. It was right near the river. And um, at that point, there were lots of young people. The other part was more older people. This one was more young people, lots of kids my age, lots of fun things to do together. And your parents trusted you in those days. I mean, it was come home for lunch, come home for dinner, come home for bed. And that was it. And the truth is that you wouldn't have broken that trust. Right. You know, because when somebody trusts you, you don't break that trust. So I was really had lots of time with friends and also lots of time to explore. And I, I was always a, just a little further. I'd go just a little further, you know. And right. so we used to live near the Catamount River. Okay. And one of the things the mother said not to do, and I did, is go down by the Catamount River because she, <laughs> she, because she said, bubbles hang out there, and I want to see what bubbles look like. I had no idea what it meant. But that was, you know, that was an era of, of safety, mm-hmm. and I never felt insecure into my entire life. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. So how did your parents go about encouraging your passions? Uh, my mom was a church choir director. My dad sang in the choir. We all sang in the choir. Um, that was it was a small church, and so Dad had a beautiful baritone voice, and my mom could read music and direct choir. And I had this little kind of quiet, uh, light voice, so I just was the background singer. But we all sang in the choir, and we learned to play together, work together, be together with the choir. And they were both my dad was an elder in the church, so they were very involved with church activities. Mm-hmm. And so most of the kids that I grew up with went, you know, I grew up with, went to the same church, went to the same school, and we hung out together. And again, freedom. Nobody worried about where you were, what were you doing. And it was always like, if you didn't feel safe someplace, you could knock on knock a neighbor's door. Never give it a second thought. It was a wonderful time to grow up. Right, and that sense of community was probably part of that safety. Oh, absolutely. Right. That's wonderful. Um, but... My mom was a painter. She mm-hmm. loved to paint. And I, she was talented. Uh, she never never sold her work or anything like that. She did it because she loved it. And so when I, I kept trying, but it wasn't, I didn't have the talent to do it, but it was a great fun thing to do, a great release. So um, 
But I really feel like one of the great things about art is people understand culture through art. Mm -hmm. So what we paint, what we see, we understand the culture of the people that are there. We look at any, any foreign country you walk into, then you look at their art. You see their culture on the walls there. So that's, yeah. Um, okay, after years of collecting, and I ran out of wall space, so I decided <laughs> to start a gallery. <laughs> right, right. Besides that, I really feel very strongly that unrepresented artists need to have a place to show their work, to sell their work, if they want to keep working. Absolutely. So, and that's that was the whole mission behind this place. Sure. So, how did you go about finding you know unrepresented artists, and how did you go about you know like uh, establishing you know, yourself as you know a place where they could find a way to display their work? I hired a consultant, and she had been in the arts field for a lot of years, and so she found the artists for me. Um, the only trouble was we got 40, and that's far too many to represent. But we decided to have three shows and, you know, break them up into three shows and then see what's out and see what. But in the meantime, they had an opportunity and they could say on the resumes that they were represented by a gal. Right. So it, it was a win win. Um, anyway, because I love the arts all, all these years. Every place I go, I can't stay out of art galleries. I can't stay out of art museums. So it's really wonderful to see that kind of creativity. Absolutely. It's mm -hmm. with art. You can find with an unrepresented artist, but even local galleries, you can find such beautiful work that yeah. doesn't make its way into the mainstream. It's, you, know, you have to go out and find it rather than it being presented to you. Some of it is that artists really have trouble selling. I mean, most artists are really not wonderful salespeople. Right. You know, they need to be represented by somebody else telling other people how wonderful their work is. Right, right. So, of the artists that we have displayed around us, could you tell us about any of them, how you came into contact with them? Um, the, the whole show up here is our French artists. And David Gista, whose work is behind is in front of us, found them for us. He's from Paris and from uh, Chicago. Mm. Can't be here in each place. So, he brought all this work in for us to hang. And this this is the newest singular show. And then downstairs are artists that we've kept from the 40 that we started with. And not all of their work is hung down because it can't be. They don't have room for all. Right. So um, we just, yeah. <laughs> so we have, you know, this immersive art culture in Chicago. Uh -huh. so many artists. You think that that starts at a young age? How do you think that young people are able to express their passion? What what steps do you think that they take to find success in art? I honestly don't know for sure, but my guess would be if they have a good art teacher in school or somebody else who recognizes their talent. Because I think most people don't realize how talented they are. Some people look at it and they know they know how good they are. But it takes a long time for any of these artists to get to the point where they're kind of go. Right. So I, I would say if you if, to me the arts in the schools are critical. Absolutely critical to keep the art going. And you know, and the Yeah, and fostering their creativity, I think it pays dividends in every field. You know, opening children and 
you know, up to different ways of thinking, different, you know, expressions and understandings that that comes to pay dividends in all areas. It does. Curriculum. It really does because you do think differently when you have to. It's like writing. Hmm. I have to write something. It makes a whole lot of difference how I think about it. And if I'm just, it's just coming out of my mouth. Sure. And the stories of them that can go on from yes. art, you can look at and see someone's journey, someone's passion, see their representation of the world as they see it. I think a lot about Van Gogh when he went through his yellow period. It's, it's so interesting that he, you know, no one else saw the world in this way, and yet he was able to, you know, demonstrate to others how he perceived what he was seeing. And so that was a connection that it can't be made necessarily through a description, but through art, people can come together over it. That's right. It, it's, I think it's easier for people to help visualize it. Okay. So you, you, I can't speak French, I can't read French, but if mm -hmm. I see a French artist's work, I can say, oh, isn't that wonderful? I wonder where they came from. And you can still go back and research where, why they did what they did, but but it, it talks about different cultures. Sure. So what was the moment that you decided, I want to pursue uh, opening an art gallery? So before this, you worked in a completely different field, is that correct? Yes, I was the CEO of Lander Frost Lunch Meets. I've been with the company, oh gosh, 50 years, I think. I mean, it was, how old am I? No, I'm not quite, maybe 40 years, 45 years, whatever it happened to be. I was with the company forever. I, I, I married my first husband, it was family business. Um, when he passed away, I took over. Mm. So, and I double-sized the company under my watch. Um, he was an extremely creative person. Mm. Yeah, anyway, so that, that's how I started with art, with, it with, was package design. So I would look at a package and I would say whether I think you're going to pick it up or not. Right. You know, why would you, why would you be attracted? To attract what colors attract? What styles attract? What let me making sure that the it's readable kind of thing, well, without losing the character. Hey, that's sure, sure. So those those skills that come from what might seem more of a corporate world actually transition pretty well into right. having an art gallery. Right. Yes, it did, and it was it was a fun. I've always wanted art. The other thing is, I've traveled a great deal. I've been very fortunate, and any place I went, I'd get a piece of art. I ran out of wall space. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things. None of them. I don't know that any of them will be worth a penny more than I paid for them. But I look at things that are on my wall, saying, oh, "I remember being there. I well, remember the person I talked to." But, yeah. Absolutely, I think I. I feel similarly with some of the photographs I've taken in the past. It's, you look at something and you can preserve a moment in your life and be brought back to that moment and think that's about right. the circumstances and how they've progressed from that moment. That's so right. That's like kind of an intrinsic value that, like you said, maybe it doesn't accrue in monetary value, but in terms of what it means to you, it might only grow as you, you know, hold on to it. Yeah, I, I don't know how anybody could be without art on their walls, but as I say, I over, overdid it. I mean, <laughs> well, now you got Space. Well, yeah, right? You have plenty of space to hang, and it's also an opportunity for unrepresented artists to have a place to hang. That's that's important. So, when you speak about unrepresented artists, what what do you think are some of the impediments for them getting into galleries in the current structure of you know? I honestly don't know because I don't know this this industry as well as I should. But usually, 
of the well-known gallery who have the copyright parts that they use regularly. They're, but they probably go through a number, like I have, go through a number of them and see what sells, see what the market looks like, see what your customer looks like. Well, if you're running, it better be a good eye from what is good art. But, you know, you somebody, one person may love Van Gogh and another person may love Picasso. Right. You know, so you kind of had, and those are, even if they're not well-known names, you don't know what's going to sell until you've had the experience. But most of the galleries that are around, I think they've been around for a long time. I'm not sure how many gallery galleries there are left. Sure. Sure. And was there anything specific that drew you to the north side of Chicago to open up your gallery? Was there a community of art here that drew you in? I had a consultant. <laughs> it was one of those things I didn't know what I didn't know. So when I, I hired her, and I, she found the space for me. And um, I'm not sure this is the best location for what I'm doing because the I'm just not sure that we, we don't get a lot of walk-in traffic. Right. There are other places in the mall and the, in North, North Michigan Avenue, someplace like that, we get a lot of walk-in traffic. So I'm not sure how this all came about, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. So how do you go about advertising the gallery as a situated? Oh, we, we put ads in, in the local papers. We do, I've got a, the team that worked on books up getting that done for me. Um, use Instagram, use all the different mediums that people who might want to buy art. And you just keep, keep plugging away. Um, we get parties. So, I, no, really, I can't. I've had a couple of good parties where I would invite an organization to bring their friends in mm-hmm. and have a party here. And actually, I just got a note from somebody who brought their, their group in, and she said, I'd like to buy some of your art. I'm like, yay, that, that works. Perfect. Yeah. That works out. Mm-hmm. So when you when you were going about setting up the gallery, were there any challenges you didn't anticipate? Um, one thing I didn't think as clearly as I showed about with the stairs, it's, it's limiting. Mm-hmm. And unless I put where to add something to carry something that's handicapped up the stairs, oh. it would, that's probably the only thing I hadn't thought about when I did this. Um, but generally, I did have to do all the re- relight the whole place. So all this, mm-hmm. I did total rehab. Right. So all this lighting is new, and it's all put, it's all for an art gallery, and that's that is. No, that was one of the things. It just didn't have proper lighting. It could get a very old-fashioned ceiling, which is interesting. I made sure it showed. Oh, I didn't <laughs> know so. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very old-fashioned It's very open, too. It kind of, like, uh, it allows someone to kind of get lost in a piece and then look around and see what is encompassing and right. get drawn in after that. Yeah, and if you do then use a lot of white walls to take right. down. But then the gray ones kind of offset it a little bit. So when you've got pieces that are more white, the better off was putting them on a little bit of color with the gray. Right. Was there anything in your time at Lando Frost that kind of uh, inspired your journey? Is there anything anyone shared with you that you've been able to use in this chapter of your profession? Um, I love business. And I know how to love business. I ran a business for years. So it's not, it's, that was probably the biggest learning. And of course we, when you're in the package lunch break business, you have to make sure your packaging is as ideal as, and you do a lot of promotion in the industry, you know, ads and so forth. And yeah, that, that was a good learning experience for me. Absolutely. 
when you worked in packaging specifically, were the artists that you worked with, did they have outside interests as artists, or are they typically focused on design? Mostly just design. Okay. Yeah, they were packaging companies usually, but, um, we, had, we had a couple of designers on the outside who would do things, but generally they were, uh, that was what they did. Right. Right. So going back, did you go to college in Chicago? Actually, I graduated from high school when I was just 17. Oh, wow. And, yeah, right. Well, the trouble is you don't know what you don't know at that point in time. And um, my counselor said to me, um, I think you might go to college for your MRS degree. And I went, <laughs> yeah, do you believe that? And I wanted to go to college today. I could taste it. Um, my parents couldn't afford to send me. I would have to do the scholarship. I had all those things. I didn't know how to do at 17 years old. Right. So I went to, I, I ended up going to Northwestern Night School and working full time. And never got a degree because I did that and then I started having family and I started running businesses and just, you know, but I got what I need to know from a knowledge perspective sure. by doing that. But another great. Yeah, and that experience probably is giving, I mean, a degree tries to prepare you, but when you're immersed in what you were, I'm sure that you learned so much more very quickly having to make those decisions in real time. Yeah. And you know, I always took classes. It was one of those that if I didn't know something, I always wanted to know. So it may have not been a class that was going to give me credits toward the degree, but I was always going to school. I didn't know how not to go to school. It was right. just kind of fun. Absolutely. You know, always need to know. It sounds like you do the same thing. Absolutely. I, I love learning. I love it. It's, it's the opportunity to take something that I'm not so familiar with and become a little bit more familiar with. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it's not something immediately applicable, but eventually I, I start to see, you know, as I can build up that knowledge, I, it comes up in my day to day life. Like I learned pretty quickly in law, you know, how pervasive it is and how unaware I was of, mm -hmm. you know, it's everywhere. But you know, when you're not knowledgeable about it, you don't quite perceive it in the same way. And I think you said something earlier, when you go to a different country, you see the art and it immerses you right away. You can find the culture right away. Yeah. I think that's so true. I mean, especially I've traveled a lot domestically and going to different cities, like the art has always been something that drew me in. Like I went to San Francisco, I went to uh, San Diego, and mm -hmm. there was such beautiful art everywhere. It was always a little bit different. It kind of represented life there. So, mm -hmm. what are some of the favorite uh, cities in America that you've traveled to? Oh, I've, I've, been, I've been to San Diego. I've been, let me think. Um, I would say Seattle, San Diego. I like the West Coast. It's got the, uh, I like the cultural background of the West Coast. Um, when my kids were little, I did a lot of driving, got over to cottage, things like that. So we did a lot of driving cottage, driving driving vacations. And as long as you could stand four little kids in the back seat. <laughs> but anyway, that was, yeah. So I, I can't say, I mean, I do like the West Coast. I love New York. One of my favorite cities because um, I like the art, I like the culture, I like the knowledge that you get. And I have friends who went to you, a couple girlfriends, and go to New York. And we see some plays. I love the arts in all forms. I'm involved with Shakespeare Theater, I'm involved with Lyric Opera. And I just love to go and play. I love creative people. And so when you see people who are performing on the stage, look at what they're doing, how, just marvel at how they do what they do. 
Absolutely. What's uh, been your experience like with the Shakespeare Theater? I've been a few times and I was blown away by what they put on. Well, Barbara Gaines is phenomenal, isn't she? I have been involved with that one for years. Um, I was there, started the movie with a little theater, and now they're in the big theater. And it's um, it's less cozy, but you, you get more people in there and see things. But it's, she's a tremendous talent. Yeah. And what's your role with them? I've been on the board for years. Oh, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, it's fun. And the Lyric Opera, do you do it? I'm on the board for there, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, tell the opera was, I used to say, that was someplace I could hide because you had to concentrate so completely when you're listening to the opera. So for those three hours, nothing else in my world mattered. That's what I did. I listened yeah. to the opera, and I just love being there. Just love it. Absolutely. That's, uh, I've been to the opera a few times as well, and that's unbelievable. The, the range that they have, the yes. storytelling, it's mm-hmm. incredible. Like, I... I didn't know walking in that like as much as I did walking. I was like blown away. Yes. And like you said, it, it moves you, it kind of brings you to a different place. And I think that can help people reflect. I think generally the arts can help you reflect and learn about yourself based on your reactions to art. Exactly right. It's, yeah. it's, it's, all, it's been a wonderful experience for me. And it was interesting because I started with Claire shortly after my first husband died. and I. Because I, I just, I, I'd always loved the music anyway. I'd grown up with classical music. So walking in there, I went, I can hide here for, and I'm running a big business. I went, I can hide here for three hours. And that's all I'm thinking about. I, because generally my mind's going to, I've got so much fun now. Yeah, run a business. That corporate wheel kind of always rolls management, or you know that your business relies on you being actively thinking about it so mm-hmm. sometimes I bet that could be mentally exhausting I it was not for me just because I enjoyed it so much sure. but it got to the point but I didn't realize that I was not that it was beginning to exhaust me and so I was going to the opera and going to places where I could focus on something other than business right so, find that escape. yeah absolutely so what do you see for the future of springboard arts I entrepreneur. Okay, so from my perspective, we will when this show goes to the end of the year, have to make decisions about whether we take the current artists that we have and spread them out, or if we find another show. It's kind of, you know, it's it's fluid at this point because but we have enough art downstairs to fill the space. Right. But I, and. I have to look at it from a business perspective, what makes the most sense? Do people always come to the same place? If you want a piece of art by so-and-so, you know, then you're going to come here for that art. Right. Then you have to decide if those names are strong enough that they will carry, that they'll pay the bills. Right. The business side of having you Right. Do you have any artists here that you find people coming back for? David Gista is one. That's his work. Um, Got a couple, got a couple downstairs, and Ed Hinkle is my cousin. His work sells pretty well, but the one his wife makes these um, planter, you know, uh, vases. Yeah. They're gorgeous, mm-hmm. and again, that's something people will pick up, and they can have one small piece in their house. Right, right. It's a momento. Mm-hmm. Okay.
Donna, what is something uh, that you wish you had learned early in your career? I think we all feel we have to be good at everything. I learned that it's okay to make honest mistakes as long as you admit them and correct them. Nobody's perfect. Absolutely. And sometimes the pursuit of perfection can actually leave us somewhat stymied. That's very true. That's very true. Besides, when you mistake, you always learn from it. Absolutely. So you make a mistake and you step back and say, why did I do that? Because I wish I hadn't. And you learn not to do it or something similar the next time. Right. You could, I think you could learn so much from coming up short from a goal that you have and then all of a sudden realizing, well, what was it that I did that I could do differently? Right. And I think about, it's somewhat cliche, but that Einstein quote that's uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Right. I think that's the same thing. If you do something that doesn't work, that's completely fine. It's when you keep trying that and you keep right. having the same result and wondering why. It's, it's to learn from the path you took and see if you can change it to get to that end result. And the other one is, if you don't learn from the past, you may be forced to repeat it. Absolutely. I always like that one. Because it's a lot of past knowledge when I learn to repeat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Donna, thank you again so much. Yes. Is there a best way for our viewers to connect with Springboard? You can uh, get us on www.springboardarts.com. Is our web address, mm -hmm. and our address here is 1910 West North Avenue. Love to see you come in and do some learning. All right. Well, thank you again so much. This has been another episode of Bridging Chicago. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceedings.